Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Well, I want to get right into it, Hannah. Sure. Um, I, know, I know you've done like so many of these. And so I hope that with some time removed from like the finale, it's been like a month and a half now you've been outside of the house. I can change it up and ask you maybe some like post BB questions on yeah. what, what's life been like outside of the house since you left. I know that you spent a good majority of your time post the finale in another house. So you were kind of insulated, yes. but just in another house in Todrick's house. Yeah. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. not, not too different since you were still around the same people for like weeks after the finale. Um, yeah. But, but generally what's life been like as you've, you know, entered the real world, um, you know, mm-hmm. post, you know, living with these people that you've lived with all these months. Max, it is strange. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'd say that Todrick's house, he was so gracious to open up his home to us. Um, but Todrick's house was definitely a good transition and stepping stone back into society because we could go out, we could leave, we could drive, we had our phones, um, but we were still around each other. Um, and at this point, I feel like the house guests know this version of me the best because I don't think any of us are ever going to quite be the same post BB just because of how unique and borderline traumatic that experience was. Um, so in terms of like this version of Hannah, those people know me the best and I've never had attachment issues before. Um, but I feel attached to them. I don't know. I, I get yeah. sad when I'm not with them. I talk to them all the time. Um, so being back home, it kind of feels like I'm a guest in my parents' house and not like I'm picking right back up where I left off. I'm rambling at this point. I'm not sure if that makes any sense, but no, it does. I've heard from other people that they were able to travel back home and they just picked up their lives when, sorry, they, they, they were able to pick up their lives right where they left off pre BB. But for some reason I haven't been able to do that. Um, so it's, it's just, like I said, it's, it's been strange being back in society and not being surrounded by those 15 people. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. want to, I want to touch on what you said earlier in that, you know, staying still with a lot of, you know, your fellow house guests post the finale in Todrick's house for a good mm-hmm. few weeks. Mm-hmm. It gave you that necessary transition back into the real world. It was kind of like baby slept steps slowly, but surely you'll like get back to real life yes. and freedom. I would be shocked if maybe others in exactly. past season didn't do something similar to this, since I feel like, you know, immediately stepping outside into the real world after being, you know, cooped up for months, I, that could cause some anxiety and stress on people yes. and be overwhelming. And I was feeling so anxious and nervous and overstimulated and overwhelmed right after the show. Um, so it was definitely necessary to have some of my fellow castmates with me to like hold my hand during that transitional period. Um, 
yeah. So just being back home, I don't know. I miss them. Um, thank God we did Halloween weekend a couple um, weekends ago, and then we're going to Philly for Big D's birthday next weekend. So this gives me um, little events to look forward to. Um, but navigating this post BB life, um, I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm bad at it. Um, this has kind of made me realize that I want to go back to school. I mean, never did I question that, but this whole experience, you know, being on social media and being a public figure, it really just makes me realize that school is where I'm meant to be. And I'm definitely meant to be a doctor and not do this forever. Wow. I wait, I want to dig yeah. into that though, because I feel like that's sort of in contrast with others who were on mm-hmm. the show that came for the fame for, you know, you know, enabling themselves to gain opportunities in the entertainment industry, but mm-hmm. doing this experience over the summer, it's kind of did done the opposite for you. And it's affirmed what you initially yeah. were doing pre BB. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, okay. So I was never really on social media before the show. Um, Coming off of the show, I only had one post on my Instagram. Um, Never used Twitter, barely used TikTok. Um, So social media has just never been my thing. And right now I'm trying to take advantage of that momentum because why not? It's not like I'm in school this semester. So if I wasn't, you know, influencing, then (laughs) I wouldn't really have much to do with my time. Yeah. Um, but it's not something that I particularly enjoy. Um, and I, I, I still feel like I'm bad at it because it, it doesn't come naturally to me. My heart's not in it. Um, so for that reason, that just reinforces that I'm meant to be in school. I'm meant to be a doctor. And that's really where I want to take my life. Because um, I, I went on the show not for the fame not for the money, but because I'm such a big fan of Big Brother. And I could probably do more reality TV shows with this newfound success. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, our season was so historic and I got to be a part of that. So that's not to say that people aren't knocking on my door and knocking on, you know, everyone's doors to do this and participate in that. But I think I would only ever do BB because of how much I love it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying to ride this wave no. forever, but because I love yeah. the show so much, I was like, how could I not? Right. But you so, are trying, yeah. you are trying with those brand and sponsorships that I see you post on, on Instagram. Yeah. So, and, so you are and work, every time- you're working the platform that you just gained over the last month or so. Yeah. And every time I do it, I'm like, oh my God, this isn't me. (laughs) Kelly teeth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. Get your Um, products. Yeah. I want to touch on though, what you said before, which was that you were a super fan coming into this game. And that is what gave you the motivation to apply. Finally, you know, the first year you were eligible, 21 years old is when you did it. It kind of seems like you were probably waiting years and years until you were eligible to like finally apply the first season that you could have. Um, I feel like you were based on like, obviously our conversations over the months, um, 
you were such a super fan though. You weren't just a super fan in name only. Like you actually knew the game many, many, many seasons back, like back to when you were, we were really little. Um, And, you know, it seems like everyone else kind of knew of the show within the past couple seasons, maybe like post. Mm -hmm. I I like to think of like the modern era of Big Brother as like 16 and up. 16. Yeah. Yeah. 16. That's when it like turned, you know, very mainstream and it was kind of like rebranded the whole show. Um, Mm -hmm. And everyone knows obviously like Derek and Cody and that. So like, that was the starting point. I think that a lot of the other house guests were familiar with the show, but you could actually reach back into like these really obscure seasons, these really obscure contestants that you and I would just spitball back and forth. Like just talking about these like random people's gameplay that I know like Derek X would have no clue what we'd be talking about (laughs) or like just anyone else, you know? Um, Did you feel like coming into this house, you had this sort of, advanced knowledge of the game that you couldn't see anyone else having did you stick out in that regard I really like that question because it's something that I haven't been asked before yeah. um yeah no I remember you and I were like quoting the Rachel Reagan fight and yeah. we were just quoting like random conversations from season eight and season 10 um so yeah I I haven't actually been watching the show for very long. I just started in January of this year, but I became hooked and I was able to watch like three seasons over the course of one week. Um, and that's how I was able to get through pretty much every season within a couple months. But um, Claire was a super fan. Claire, Frenchie right, right. and Tiffany, I think knew and understood the game better than I did. Oh, but there's definitely... Actually, maybe not Frenchie. Frenchie knows the game, but I'm not sure if he understands the game because there's definitely a difference. Like you can, you can be a fan, you can watch the show for years and years and years, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have a grasp on how the game is played and how the game should be played and what you should be doing here and what you should be doing there and like kind of drawing references from past seasons. Um, excuse me. So I feel like Claire, Tiffany, and Xavier were the best at that. Um, but in terms of like recalling who won this HOH and who came in ninth place on this season, because my memory is so good. And because I just started watching the season this year, or sorry, because I just started watching the game, the show this year, um, I was probably the best at that. And I'd say that my, uh, my understanding of the game was decent, especially for not being a live feeder. And something that I did not realize until this season is how much you miss by not being a live feeder. Mm. So even though um, I had an advantage in the sense that my knowledge and understanding of the game was so fresh, I had never seen the live feeds before. So I only knew what I was watching on CBS three times a week, which is like a minute fraction of what actually happens um, each season. So disadvantaged in that, but advantaged in the sense that I was like the, the newest fan of the show. So everything in my mind was still very fresh. Whereas with Frenchie, Claire, Tiffany, they really had to think like, Ooh, um, I don't remember what happened four years ago because it was four years ago, but for me, it was just like a couple weeks ago. Right. Right. Um, but I definitely was not shy about letting the house guests know that, I did have a relatively good understanding um, and grasp of 
the game. And for that reason, a lot of house guests were like, hmm, we should definitely keep an eye on her, like Sarah mm-hmm. Beth and Brittany and even Frenchie. Um, but for me, I mean, like I said, huge fan of the show. And I don't get to talk about BB with my friends and family members at home. So I was just excited to be able to talk about the show with other fans of the show on the show. Um, so that was like my eagerness for sure. But also I figured, okay, let this be an asset to people because people aren't going to want to keep me around for my physicality. Um, and we haven't had a memory comp yet. We haven't had a puzzle-based comp or a skill-based comp. So these people probably don't see me as a strong competitor, at least not yet. So let them use me for my knowledge and my understanding of the game. And that's why I didn't really hide that from the other house guys but maybe I should have I don't know (laughs) no not at all I mean it wasn't really no not at all that's really interesting though that you never considered concealing that or did you were you like wavering like should I come into the game as like this newfound expert having just freshly watched all these seasons you know in the weeks and months leading Um, up to it I think okay because I Honestly, no, I I didn't really consider concealing that because I concealed my education, my academic background, my occupation as a grad student. I mean, such a big part of my life was hidden from those 15 people. So I was like, do I do I just want to add more to to the lie? Might as well be honest about everything else. Otherwise, it just becomes too compounded at that point. I Mm want to I want to talk about the process of applying for the show you obviously like I said before 21 years old so this was the first season that you were eligible to apply can you walk me through your decision to apply and just the whole process leading up to getting your key yeah okay so um my sister was the one because she's going to school for advertising but she's very into digital production So she was like, oh, Hannah, um, you actually turned 21 like the week or two weeks before the deadline Mm -hmm. or the cutoff. So why don't you let me make this video for you? So Simone, my little sister, was actually the person who filled out my application for me. She wrote out my talking points. She filmed my video. She edited it. She submitted everything on my behalf. I didn't really have a hand in that. I just kind of showed up, talked, and then um, she, I think, applied for me at like the second week of February, right around her birthday. Um, And sure enough, I heard back from them March 5th. That was the very first call. No, no, no. That was the very first text that I got from them. And I was like, no, no, no. This is a prank. This is a joke. This is probably one of my friends texting me from a number that I don't know um, because there's no way that they saw my video, but they actually do watch every single video. Um, And the rest was kind of history. We did like, it it was a very, um, a very demanding process just because they're starting with thousands upon thousands of people. And then they have to narrow it down to a pool of 16 contestants plus a couple um, alternates. So we did like multiple interviews a week. Um, We eventually got to meet the executive producers like Alison Grodner and um, Rich and Chris and Don all of them, Sean. Um, And then May 28th is when they told me, you probably shouldn't pay your tuition for next semester and you should probably put in your two weeks at work. Um, So I was like, oh my God, I think this means that I'm leaving for the show. Um, And then they 
came, they sent a camera crew to my hometown of Naperville and we were at my childhood dance studio and I didn't expect to get my key that early in the morning. Um, I thought they were going to wait for me to be like with my family and my friends. Um, but I got my key at like 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know that I was leaving that day. So I was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. Like, I, I can't wait to be on the show. Bye, guys. And they were like, no, you're coming with. Um, yeah. And then I was abducted. But it's funny because they they want your reaction to be genuine. Like they actually want to surprise you. So yeah. um, they they told us that they were just sending a camera crew to our homes to get extra footage for the network. But I was like, okay, why would they risk additional exposure in the in the middle of a global pandemic if we weren't going to be on the show? So that didn't surprise me. But I was surprised that I got my key that early in the morning. Yeah. So it was a genuine shock to you then what we see you know, it was, yeah. as your reaction is mm-hmm. like authentic. Other people yeah. believed um, the the network that they were just shooting extra footage. And mm-hmm. I was like, guys, we're, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I mean, so, why, so you, why would they risk that? So you knew you had an idea that you were probably about to get your key. Yeah, I definitely yeah. knew that I was getting my key that day, but I didn't know that I was leaving and I didn't know that they were going to do it like first thing in the morning. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to segue into strategy now coming into the house. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm really interested to know if, you know, before casting or before you submitted your tape, I know that CBS had this diversity initiative where they were going to, I think for all mm-hmm. their reality shows have at least 50% um, non-white house guests or non-white contestants in all of their shows. Um, so were you aware once you got your key, mm-hmm. once you were in the, the uh, sequester a couple of months leading up to move in, were you aware that this season was going to look a lot different from previous seasons? And did, um, did that sort of factor into the strategy or were you genuinely caught off guard by seeing like all these, you know, faces that, looked similar to yours um and did you have to like recalibrate because of that so just yeah interested to know um kind of a combination of both mm-hmm. so i knew about the 50 percent um poc policy um i knew that they implemented that last october and if they hadn't i wouldn't have applied um oh, just because you see the same thing season after season where all of the contestants of color are sent home pretty early in the game I mean, in the history of Big Brother, I think we've only had like two Black contestants, correct me if I'm wrong, but two Black contestants actually make it to final six. Actually, that's a lie. Maybe three. Marcellus, Danielle, and Kalia. Like mm-hmm. the last yeah. time a Black person made it to final six was in season 13, 10 years ago. And that's very discouraging as a Black woman, as a Black person, as a person of color. Um, so at that point, it was almost like, why, why even try if I know that my fate's pretty much sealed? Um, but I saw Devon and Bailey on season 22. I saw the sisterhood that they established and formed in the house. Um, and that's something that I wanted. And that's something that gave me the confidence that I needed to, to apply and, um, to take that risk plus the, um, the policy that they just implemented. So I was like, okay, I think these are giving me, or I think this has given me the tools that I need to succeed in this game. I can actually see a path to winning or to at least going far. 
Um, now in terms of when I walked into the house, I did not expect there to be six black people. I kind of assumed that there would maybe be three black people, maybe two Latino people, two Asian people. I, I thought it would be more evenly distributed. Um, granted, I'm half Asian. DX is Asian. Um, Alyssa's Latina. Kai is half Mexican. Um, but I didn't expect, I didn't expect the black people to have the numbers because we have never had the numbers. Um, so walking into the house, I knew that I wasn't going to target them. I wasn't going to put any of them on the block. Um, that changed with the master plan. Cause of course we, we had to, we were willing to go on the block next to our person, but initially walking into the house, I looked at them and I was like, okay, I'm not targeting them, not putting them on the block and I will never vote them out of the house. So that was like the understanding that all six of us had at the very beginning. And contrary to what they showed on the show, yes, the cookout was five people, but I knew that they always had my back and they were going to protect me just like I was going to have their back and I was going to protect them. And then week at the end of week two was when I was actually brought into it. But then they used that footage from week two in like week four's episode. So people yeah. think that it took like four weeks for me to be added, but really it was just two. Anyway, besides the point, um, that was the understanding that all of us had. And then eventually it kind of grew into an alliance once Tiff came up with the master plan. But yeah, that did cause me to recalibrate my strategy just because, I mean, that kind of limits your options for who you can target if you're making this commitment, this pledge to never going after five other people in the house of, in the house of 16. Right, yeah. um, so there's that. But also like, if you don't want any of you to go home, then you really cannot be acting a fool and painting a huge target on your back because that's going to cause them to show their cards in order to vote to keep you. So yeah, I, I did have to lay low um, or at, at least I felt like I had to lay low because I wasn't just playing for myself. Now I was playing for a total of six people. Um, yeah. So plus like all of us did have our role within the cookout. We couldn't all be active players. Some of us had to be more passive such as Aza and myself and I'm never going to say like, oh, I really play. I was playing the game hard from day one because I wasn't. But I I understood how I needed to play for the sake of these six people. So I am a okay with accepting the fact that I was a more passive game player this season. Um, but for the reasons that I just explained, that's why. Yeah. I think that's also going back to what you said earlier. That's so um, incredible that you would have never applied if CBS hadn't done this diversity initiative. And you really saw this opportunity this season to make change and be part of that new face in the history mm -hmm. of this show, which is incredibly, I think, inspiring because now that they have this, it sort of opens the door up to more, you know, different people to apply that really see a chance for themselves to be on this show like yourself, which is really exactly. um, amazing to see. Um, I want to touch on the master plan. Um, interested to know if you think that the idea of the master plan with the duos, was it successful in sort of distracting the non-cookout people from figuring out that you six were in alliance? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so Tiff's master plan, brilliant. I think what she intended for the master plan to do was um, obviously protect us because I wanted to get put on the block next to DX. She wanted to be put on the block next to Claire. I mean, no one wanted to get put on the block. I never mm-hmm. actually sat on the block next to DX, but the idea was that we would be willing to sit next to our yeah. person because we had the numbers to keep us in the game. Um, but what it evolved into was us having such a tight relationship with our duo partner that we were just in possession of all the information in the house at any given moment. Like I knew exactly what was happening with DX's game. She knew exactly what was happening with Claire's X knew exactly what was happening with Alyssa's and Brittany and Sarah Beth. And the six of us would talk amongst ourselves and be like, okay, these are the cards that we hold. How are we going to navigate this week? How are we going to maneuver through next week? Knowing what we know. Um, maybe we have to do a bit of influencing here and a bit of influencing there. So yeah, the master plan was genius. Um, I think it was successful because the six of us made it to final six. Um, so we must've been doing something right. Um, but what was I going to say? What was the second part of that question? Um, what did I ask? Oh, just if the master plan was successful in sort of detracting attention away from the core of you guys, the six so yes. that you were working together. Yes, absolutely. Because I think, I mean, our, our duo partners were not dumb by any means. Yeah. I think they were very aware of the dynamics in the house or as aware as they could have been. Um, I think Claire DX. And Sarah, Beth were catching on and even Alyssa um, were catching on to maybe like groups of three working together. So I know Claire and DX suspected that like me, X and Tiff had something. Um, At one point they suspected that like Kai, X and Big D had something. Maybe Kai, Big D and Tiff or no, not Kai, Big D and Tiff. That was never like a potential trio, but um, X, Aza and Big D. So they were catching on to like fragments of the cookout, but I think the reason why they never suspected that all six of us were working together is because we actually fought so much amongst ourselves. And I think some of that was played up just so we could keep the scent off of the six of us working together. But even with those like groups of three, I think our duo partners felt like, yeah, maybe they have this side thing, but at the end of the day, they're the most loyal to me. So I'm not too worried about that. The master yeah. plan was just genius in every way, shape, yes, and form. Absolutely. And it's funny because these groups of three that they would keep spitballing, it would always include any one of the six of you guys. So I think that should have said something there that even though they brought up these different groups of three, it always consisted of within the six, um, which is interesting. Well, that that's what I mean. Yeah. Like the closest that they came to catching on to the cookout alliance was naming those groups of three or even groups of four, like X, Tiff, Kai, and Aza. That was a foursome that was thrown around quite a bit. Um, I think people were unsure about Big D again because of Big D's tension with pretty much everyone in the cookout at one point or another. And then with me, the fact that I was added on late, I think helped. Um, because there was always like that distance between me and Aza and me and Big D, especially since they were kind of reluctant to add me. Um, 
and people could see that distance. So I think people thought that, I don't think people felt like if there was something there, I would be a part of that. Um, and then also I would definitely toss around their names a lot. Like something that Azza didn't do was um, throw any cookout members under the bus. Um, but for me, in order to detract from the possibility of me working with the cookout, like I, I didn't yeah. want that to be visible to the non-cookout members. I would be like, yeah, let's target X. Let's target Kai. Don't trust Kai. Mm, I'm not sure about Big D. I, I think Big D might want me out. And I, I did that intentionally, not so that they would be targeted, but so that people wouldn't suspect that I was part of that group as well. Yeah. Because me and Big D were kind of like the the missing pieces. People were unsure about the two of us. Um, people were unsure about Aza as well. Like I said, it, it was really just like groups of three being thrown around. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before, before I transition away from the cookout, I do just want to say that with the cause of the cookout aside and the history that you guys were looking to make, it's just so incredible how you six were able to make it to the final six. You look at the history of the show and even with the alliances that, you know, are seen as like the most successful alliances, you have a casualty or two along the way, mm-hmm. like the brigade or like, you know, the, the big alliance, obviously in seasons. Yeah. Level six, you have a couple yeah. that leave along the way up to, you know, when it gets close to the game. So I feel like just something to underscore the fact that all six of you stood, stayed intact, you know, at that final six was something that was truly amazing and something that has never really been seen before in terms of alliances of that size. Obviously you've had like final mm-hmm. two alliances where like, you know, Derek and Cody, Dan and Memphis, where like they buddied mm-hmm. up like day one or day two and they stuck through it to the end. But to have a size, a big, you know, alliance like this with six people stick with it until the end, like that's something I don't think we've ever seen before, which is something truly something to be yeah. proud of along with the history that you mm-hmm. made. Yeah. I mean, as a fan of the show, it was just masterful gameplay. And mm-hmm. I credit Tiffany 100% yeah. for coming up with that plan because she gave us the foundation that we used to get ourselves to final six. So Tiff deserves all her yes. flowers. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that you've set a blueprint now moving forward for people of color or black people more specifically to align in a similar way um, that you guys did? Or is it going to be trickier now that you guys have done it? I, okay, well, what's funny is we came into the house. We looked around, we saw that there were six of us and we were like, we have to take advantage of the numbers this season because future seasons are probably never going to have this opportunity again. Uh, I mean, what are the odds that they're going to keep bringing six black people into the house? Probably slim. Um, So we were like, we have to do this now if we're going to do this at all. Um, What was I going to say? Oh yeah. um, I think it honestly might hurt the contestants of color, um, especially the black contestants moving forward, um, just because people might assume that they're aligned, um, even if they aren't. I almost feel like production would have to set in and do some sort of twist where the contestants of color and couldn't be targeted just for the sheer fact that they're black. 
if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think the format of the game would have to be changed. Maybe it would have to be a duo season or like two teams. So eight and eight kind of like survivor. So they could prevent that from happening. Um, and then if there's like, if there's a couple seasons where, what am I trying to say? I guess that that's my point. My point is that I don't, I think it's going to be tricky for them moving forward yeah. because I think the other contestants might just assume that they're yeah. aligned, even if they aren't. Yeah. Or maybe now with this new diversity casting, there'll be seasons where it's more dominantly Asian in terms of the people of color or more dominantly, you know, Hispanic, um, similar to the maybe. way that this season was, you know, dominantly black um, in terms black, of the yeah. people of color in the house to try to change things up. I just, like I said, I feel like, production would have to step in and change the format of the game or implement some sort of twist. So even if you do suspect that the black contestants are working together, you can't target all of them one by one. Yeah. I want to, so there would almost have to be like added protections, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. To make sure that that doesn't happen for sure. Happen. Um, Yeah. I want to walk through your eviction, which was just like so dramatic to me. And so because it was live, it was part of the double. Um, you were the second yeah. one to leave in the double following Tiffany. And so we sort of, mm-hmm. I don't know, you probably saw the episode of your eviction by now, but um, you know, you could see just the, you know, the wheels turning in your mind, like so quickly as you were talking to Aza and, you know, going through all these different scenarios of what might happen if she would put you up on the block. Um just interested to know your thoughts on Aza's, you know, gameplay, you know, during that one moment where she had some power in the house because, you know, that was like her only win in the house. Um, obviously mm-hmm. you didn't approve, but do you think that was helpful for her game? Probably not. No. No. Yeah. Um, I, okay. So um, I think the day before um, the eviction, I had my one-on-one with Aza and I was going to propose a final two deal to her because I knew that Tiff was leaving at that point. Um, So I was essentially in the game by myself. And Mm -hmm. I was like, in order for me, because I know that the guys have something and they did um, in order for me to make it to the end, I have to align myself with Aza because Aza's on the outside she's at the bottom of their totem pole as well um she's on the outs with them so we might as well work together and i approached her with that intention but she seemed very closed off um to working with me in the game um so i was like okay maybe i don't want to propose a final two deal because is she going to run back to xavier and tell him is she going to run back to big d and tell him because it seems like she's a lot more loyal to them than they are to her Um, so I was very careful about my wording, but all I said was, I will always keep you and big D, um, or I will never put you and big D next to each other on the block. That way you guys will have the votes for both of you to remain in the house, basically alluding that I wanted Kai or Xavier to go home. Um, and my preference was X, but that would have had to be done very carefully. I would have had to get X on the block next to big D. Um, but that's besides the point. Like I said, she seemed very closed off. So I was like, mm, she's probably not feeling me. But little does she know, I want to bring her as far in the game as I can because she's my only option. And also, 
because Aza and I both played the game more passively, or at least that's how it appeared to um, the jury members, to the non-cookout members, because they weren't aware of like the power structure that we had in place. I was like, my best chances of winning are probably sitting next to her or sitting next to Big D because I'm not sure how much the jury respects me as a player or even as an individual due to my age um, and my style of gameplay. So I really did want to keep her in the game for as long as possible. And I don't think any of those guys could have said the same thing about her. So when she was like, I'm putting you on the block, I was like, oh my God, I'm the only, the only person in this house that would actually take you to the yeah. end that, that has incentive to keep you in this game. And it wasn't even, it wasn't meant to be insulting or condescending or demeaning at all. I wasn't like, oh, you're my easiest bet to be by any means. And I think that's how she interpreted it. And that's why she shut down. But um, anyway, well, I don't think it was the best move. Yeah. Can you, but can you talk about sort of the thought process? Like what was her reasoning with targeting you over the others? It makes me think, is, is it a similar thought process that she had when she was at final three and that theoretically, if she had one HOH, she said she would have taken X instead of big D. So was it, was her way of targeting you and keeping X and Kylan safe? Was that following into her philosophy with just keeping what she perceived as like the strongest players in the house because they're the most deserving of staying in the house the most? I honestly hate that line of reasoning because that's how, that's how Kai played his game. And for me, it's not really your job to, determine who the most deserving player is that's for the jury to decide that's why they are that's that's why we have a jury that's why we vote for a winner at the end of every season Mm -hmm. um so that to me anytime like kai brought it up anytime aza brought it up big d or x i'd be like that's bs um so anyway what what, why do you think it it was that she wanted to get rid of you if you don't think it was that. Yeah. So I, um, I mean, maybe that was a part of it. She has every right to believe that I was not as deserving to win the game as Kai or Xavier or even big D that's her perception. That's her opinion. And that's fine. I just personally feel like that line of reasoning is BS because that's not your job. We weren't put in this game to hand Xavier a $750,000 check. Then I would have just stayed home, but that is besides the point. I think, okay, so in the house, you do have to remember, we have no idea what the jury knows. We have no idea, or we had no idea how the jury would feel about and react to the cookout. We didn't know if they were going to be bitter. We didn't know if they were going to be sour about it. We didn't know if they were going to understand the mission, if they had the tools to be able to understand the mission. So I think- Aza felt like, okay, let me just play the most honest game that I can possibly play because maybe that will win me some brownie points with the jury if they're going to be bitter this season. Mm -hmm. So this is what she told me. She wanted to be able to say at the end that she never touched the block and she kept up every deal that she made. Well, her and Kai made a deal um, when Kai was the HOH at final six. And he said in exchange for me not putting you on the block this week, can you um, not put me on the block next week? And she said, okay. So she said for that reason, she couldn't put Kai on the block so that if she did make it to final two, 
she would be able to sit up there and say, I honored all of my deals, including my deal with Kai. Um, and then she had a final three with Xavier and Big D. So she didn't want to target either of them. And I don't know why she, if she knew that X and Big D had a final two, why would you want to go to the end with them? Why wouldn't you want to sandwich yourself perfectly so that you know that both people would choose you and then you're guaranteed final two? Kind of like what Big D did. Mm-hmm. Um, well, until he like blew up his game at the very right. end. But um, so I, I was really the only option left. Um, that's kind of my understanding. Um, but she had an ample opportunity to send Xavier home. And then she would have had Kai, me, Big D, and herself. And between the four of us, there were no, there wouldn't have been any final uh, three deals. There, and the only final two deal would have been Aza and Big D. So she would have actually been positioned very well to where I would have taken her to the end. Big D could have possibly taken her to the end. And Kai could have even, maybe Kai would have wanted to keep her till we got down to final three. So I guess my point is that you remove X, which she could have taken out X that week. She's all of a sudden one of the most well-positioned players in the house because everyone would probably want to keep her till final three. And if you don't have any final two deals in place out of the three people, then you're in a good spot to be taken to Mm -hmm. one of uh, those final two seats, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So that's what I would have done if I were her, because that's exactly what I was planning on doing. I was planning on sending Xavier home, removing him from the equation. And then I felt like I, then I would have felt like, okay, any of these three people could possibly want to take me to final two, because we don't have any final two deals between the four of us right now. Right. Well, that double eviction, Mm -hmm. I have to say was the worst episode of all season. I think I can speak for like mostly everyone, like, the, the the two people that America loved the most left that night, and it was awful to see. And it besides was besides DX, yeah, America I, loved DX, but he left. Yeah, yeah, like that, four weeks. That's true. Before. But DX didn't end up winning. America's favorite player. So yes. there's that. But he came close. Um, but no, yes. it, it was just awful to see, and just your facial expression as you left, like you really were just so upset that that happened to you, and you knew that it wasn't in the best interest of. Oz's game. And so I know. It, it, it was stupid. Um, I want to segue over though, into something lighter. Um, I'm interested to know, there were so many moments throughout the game that obviously blew up on social media, which you're obviously aware of since you're a newfound, you know, social media user. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that something, um, there were certain things that sort of took off and went viral that you noticed when you got out of the house that sort of caught you off guard that maybe you even forgot about, but that people really enjoyed seeing in the house like little moments um i can say for me personally big blue couch uh obviously was a big yes but what what were like some moments like that that like you were really surprised by that people loved still gets stuck in my head it's stuck in my every, head every it's week it's so catchy in... and did you see the remix and that they did on youtube dance they added yes, an instrumental to it it sounds I so like, good i know like, oh my god maybe i have a future in this no i'm just kidding yes. um let's see um there's one meme that's super funny of me going this is a good twist 
Mm-hmm. Don't even remember saying that, but that was funny. Um, and then me in the bathroom doing my little dance because um, X had come in and me and Tiff were strategizing, but we transitioned into, I just don't really feel confident in my abilities to win anything in this house. I just, I, I need all the, all the encouragement I can get. I'm so sad. I, I have no faith in myself. And X like gave me a hug and I was just like, you got it. You got it. Then he left the bathroom and I was like, <laughs> we tricked him because we were definitely plotting to send him home at six. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then he walks in. So we were like, <laughs> anyway. Um, so that, that was really funny. Um, uh, Tiff saying, fuck Claire, fuck Alyssa, fuck Sarah Beth. And I said that shit. Yeah, that was really, really, really funny. That's mm-hmm. probably like my favorite meme from this season. And then Brittany like peeping or peeking into um, Christian's HOH room with the night vision. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. You wait, wait, okay, wait so which Christian, week was that? Was it early? This is like week, week four. This okay. was Christian's HOH week. Where Christian and Alyssa were in Christian's bed. Oh yes, yes, I saw. Renee just like yes. peeks in, yes. yeah, with the night vision. Oh my god, so funny, so yeah. funny. I speaking so, of yeah, Tiffany. Some... Speaking of Tiffany, a fave moment of mine mm-hmm. was her Frenchie impression very early on in the season when she reenacted her, his nomination ceremony. That was like literally spot on. That was like day five. <laughs> I know. Yes. Oh yeah, the nominees. Yeah. Or or what's what's the. What's the script? Um, their faces will appear on the on memory, the memory wall. wall. Yeah. <laughs> the player's faces. On the memory wall. Yeah. The, uh, the player's faces will appear the... <laughs> on the memory wall. When she said the players who have nominated faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And everyone was just dying. <laughs> yes. I love me some Tiff. Oh, God. That was hilarious. Um, I want to ask you um, because. You know, I obviously everyone was such a huge fan of specifically, I think, you and Tiffany's game this season. Mm-hmm. I think they wanted to see you two specifically go far because you were a duo. And we know that that would have been a final two if, you know, if, you know, the game allowed for that. Um, and if mm-hmm. all the right, you know, pieces fell in place. Um, mm-hmm. It was very obvious, though. Uh, on the part of all six of you that you put the Alliance ahead of your individual game in service to the greater cause. Um, mm-hmm. But does, does falling short and does knowing that maybe if you had put individual above the Alliance that you would have gone fa- farther, does this, does it make you want to play the game again and play it on an individual basis next time, instead of on the basis that you played this first time around? Yes, 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 100%. I mean, with Tiff, she put her she had to put her own person on the block. I mean, she didn't yeah. have to, but because of her commitment and her loyalty to the cookout, she let Claire go. So, she arguably sacrificed the most um and put the alliance leaps and bounds ahead of her individual game. Um with me sending DX home when we did, that was definitely me servicing the cookout and playing for them and not for myself because it would have 100% been in my best interest to keep DX that week because DX was never going to target me and I could have used him as a shield as well as a weapon. Yeah. Um, I just wish I had known that maybe the other members of the cookout were kind of wrestling with weighing their individual 
um, games against our collective game, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I feel like I was so blindly loyal to the cookout that it was never a question in my mind. Whereas with other people, they may have been wrestling with that decision. And I think there were definitely moments where other people were like, but I could do this. Like, let, let me, let me sell. I don't want to make it sound like the other members of the cookout were not loyal because we all sacrificed a yeah. lot to get ourselves but, to final six. But there were but moments along the way like, that definitely tested that, I think. Like we saw a lot of drama between like Big D and Tiffany, you know, right? Well, I think like with, the, with, some, with some of the other members of the cookout, they were trying to set themselves up for longevity and success in the game in case the cookout didn't make it. Whereas with me and Tiff, I don't think we ever questioned whether the cookout was going to make it. Mm -hmm. So we weren't kind of like going off on our own and working something here, working something there. It was always, we were always focused on the mission and we were always dedicated to getting the cookout to final six, if that makes sense. So with that being said, I would love to come back and play the game for myself Um, because with Tiff sending home Claire, she knew that she was going to be the first to go at six, but like I said, the mission was just that important to us. Ensuring that we had a black winner was that was that much of a priority for all six of us. Um, but now that we have had a black winner, I would love to come back and play the game to win. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. As an individual, that's great. As an individual, <laughs> yes. I would um, love, oh my God, I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would yes. drop anything and everything. Yeah. Um, obviously you became like a huge super fan just in a relatively short period of time when you binge watched all these seasons. Um, so I have to know, since you've like seen all of these BB alum so recently, you know, through your mm-hmm. binge watching, what's it been like now to join this family and to have met so many of these alum? I know at Todrick's the night of the finale, when you went over, there were a lot of 21ers there from season 21, obviously Bailey and mm-hmm. Devon, who were kind of like the catalyst for you applying in the first mm-hmm. place. You've met them in the days and weeks following. Um, yeah. So what's it been like um, just to feel like you're part of this family now and that these people aren't just people that you're meeting as a fan, but just as a, as an equivalent, you know, as just now another member of the family. That has honestly been the coolest part of this whole experience um, or of this like post BB experience Um, because I am such a fan of players like Davon and Bailey now knowing that we're equals and peers and part of the same family it is the coolest thing the most surreal thing ever um and I'm, I'm still definitely a fan like I, I still fangirl over all these people even though now we're friends like we talk on a regular basis but I'm still like oh my god I can't believe like yeah. I'm talking to Davon right now I can't believe I'm talking to Bailey um yeah so it, it's been it's been crazy I love it though <laughs> well I yeah. as as sort of like my last question or two, maybe, um, but we'll wrap up. Um, I know that you're all sort of, for the most part, at home, gone your separate ways. Um, but what are the plans for you guys all being back together? I know you said Big D's having his birthday coming up soon. Are you also, you know, going to have a Thanksgiving thing, a Christmas thing? Or are you just like playing it by year in terms of like when you guys are going to be doing these big reunions? 
Well, like I said, I am addicted to these people. Yeah. So we did, we lived together at Todrick's for a good two and a half weeks after the show. Then two weeks later, we did Hollow Weekend in Tampa. Two weeks after that, or like three weeks after that, um, Big D's birthday in Philly. Then the whole cast is going to Hearts of Reality minus like um, DX and Claire, I think, because they're working. But um, we're all doing Hearts of Reality. And then I think we're doing um new year's and like a group of us are going to the um the pistons game in december Mm. so a ton of us are going to get together for that and then like i said we have new year's and then we'll probably just keep doing things like once every couple weeks once every month it'll probably get sparser as time goes on um, as we all get back to our old lives but um i have every intention of bothering these people every couple weeks knocking on their doors and being like hey remember me yeah <laughs> yeah i can't i can't get enough of them um so yes. for my very last question um you sort of answered this before because like you're just like back returning to normal life with like school and um furthering your career that you had pre bb but um has this summer given you any sort of thought into um maybe newfound endeavors that you weren't considering before? Like I know Tiffany and Big D and, you know, others are now trying to, I guess, create these opportunities, but are you just Mm -hmm. totally a hundred percent back to being fully focused now on your career? Um, I, okay. So I realized that I do love fashion, even though that was a lie. Um, so maybe I'd want to do something with that moving forward. Um, there are a couple of projects in the work um, that have to do with the show because I am passionate about Big Brother. Um, so if I could make something out of that and be able to talk about a game that I genuinely enjoy, then why not? Um, but for the most part, like I said, this summer, just like I, I got to live out my dream. Hopefully I get to come back and do it again. Um, but it just reaffirmed that becoming a doctor is what I 100% meant to do. Yeah. I, I I love hearing that. I love that you weren't like taken away by like the cameras or the press or all that stuff. And that you still are. It just affirmed what you initially wanted for your life, which is so crazy mm-hmm. or, or so amazing to see. Thank you. Um, well, thank you. Hannah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.